This episode is sponsored by Hannah Beam Photo and Film, a premier wedding and lifestyle photography company serving Memphis, Tennessee, and beyond. Hannah brings an emotive and journalistic approach to her work, from delicate details to the most meaningful moments. Get 10% off any photo or film collection when you mention Basketball Exegesis. Again, that's hannahbeam.com. H-A-N-N-A-H-B-E-A-M dot com. to Basketball Exegesis. It is a new podcast project where we take an in-depth analysis of all things basketball from X's and O's to the WNBA, the NBA, men's and women's college hoops. Uh, We are going to have on a plethora of guests uh, as we go through this together. Uh, The first guest that I have is none other than Miss Lauren Gunn from uh, Mavs Moneyball. Um, she also is the co-host of, you're going to remind me the name of the podcast, but you the gunshot, the gunshot, the gunshot pod. See, I thought it was the gunshot pod, but I didn't want to say it and be wrong and advertise some other podcast. So the, the gunshot pod, that one is um, built in. I feel like running gun would have been a cool name. Yeah. We, you know, we, we struggled, we struggled going back and forth, but you know, what are you going to do? So you are on the first episode of mm-hmm. this project um, mm-hmm. and I asked you to to come on because you are one of the best in the biz and uh, I feel like um, your clout will get some plays so oh my gosh I'm using you oh that is very nice that is very nice to say <laughs> and I am very I'm very grateful to you know be your first your first guest and to see this project get going for you because I I have no doubt that it will, it will go where you want it to go. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Very glad to be here. So I, you know, I come from a Grizzlies background. Um, so it's going to be natural for me to, to kind of hit Grizzlies because mm-hmm. over at basketballnews.com, that's one of my niche areas is to cover the Grizzlies because I'm one of two people on staff that live in Memphis and, and cover the team. So uh, we're, we are naturally going to hit uh, the Grizz and Mavs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the first thing I want to talk about is um, at the trade deadline, I walked away from y'all's trade <laughs> with the Wizards relieved. I remember. I remember very <laughs> clearly. <laughs> um, because with Kristaps, y'all were such a terrible matchup for us. And I don't know what it was about y'all. And the Timberwolves were another team that um, we don't match up well with for whatever reason. But then you guys go and, and get rid of the one guy that could really guard Jaron Jackson Jr. on your roster. Um, so I, I want your perspective minus the Grizzlies um, about what went through your mind when you saw this trade come across and how you feel about it going forward. 
Yeah. So, oh God, whirlwind of emotions, I guess is the shortest, best way to put it. But when the trade got announced, I felt very confidently going into that day that Dallas was going to do something. And it didn't surprise me that it was going to go down to the wire because they were trying to figure, trying to exercise all their options, but I wasn't anticipating, oh yeah, we're trading KP today. Like for sure. I, that was a surprise. Um, so when that ball dropped, I was like, oh my God, but also he had been out for like a number of games at that point this season. And it was again, kind of like, what do we do when we don't have a number two out there? What's going to happen? So when I saw that we were training him, I was like, this might end up working out. And then I saw that we were getting Dinwiddie back and I was like, okay, what else? Like, cause KP has been good this year and he has looked excited to be there. His contract is like only, I mean, it's getting down to the end. So it's not like this dude is I mean, people still look at his contract as a bad one, but it's not like it's for on your books for forever till the end of time. And so I was like, what else are we getting? And then I see it gets announced that we're getting Bertans. And I'm like, okay, at this point, you're getting two debatably poor contracts coming back, long-term contracts coming back your way. So I was like, tell me that we're getting like, I don't care if it's a first in like 2029. I don't care. Just tell me there's something else. And there just wasn't. In fact, Dallas technically ended up sending a second round pick out that's like heavily protected and is not expected to convey this year. Uh, it'll come back to us and then there's nothing moving forward just for context. But I was very frustrated when I saw the trade because we were having a good year. KP was in a good place. He was performing well when he was out on the court. He was locked in defensively. The team was performing well defensively. But then kind of after a couple of days, it was like, okay, when we haven't had KP out there, not impacting us winning like we're not losing more games when he's not available so if you put if you bring someone in like Dinwiddie who gives you just more scoring because we didn't necessarily need guard depth I mean we did but what we needed was scoring and so I was like okay this could be good because we have someone who can score and KP can score but this is different this is a guy that can get his own shot and we don't have many of those so then I was like okay well this could end up being good but our bigs, like we have no, essentially like no bigs, like none. And it's very difficult, but they have found a way to play small, not play fast. They're last in the league in pace, but they have found a way to continue with the spacing, continue with just drive attack, dribble handoffs, and just find ways to make this three guard lineup work. And it's been very crazy to watch, but now as more and more games go by, seeing this team able to go small, not being so concerned with what matchup we get come playoff time, because in the past it was like, well, we have KP. And if we play somebody that's super athletic, super fast, that might not be the best because he he tends to get not played off the floor, but similar to Rudy Gobert, it's difficult. It's difficult. And so this just makes them more versatile. And so now it's kind of like, well, we've still got decisions to make with the contracts down the line, but right now, personnel wise, it's proven to be a good trade, especially in terms of availability and scoring. Yeah, so I think Davis Bertans is uh, the, the definition of Mr. Steal the Bag. Because um, <laughs> if, if uh, Dallas gets half of what he was in San Antonio um, that final year, that contract year, that's that's huge. Yeah, um, yeah. The Dinwiddie, Brunson, uh, Domsic, fit was kind of curious to me and then mm-hmm. what do you do when uh hardaway jr returns as mm-hmm. well um so I, that one was kind of interesting and it, it doesn't surprise me if um you run the numbers up to the break um or the deadline dallas was um 
let's see. They were top in defensive rating. They were number five in defensive rating. Uh, with a, and they had a net rating at 3.5 uh, at that point. But then after the, the trade, uh, the net rating dropped. Y'all are like at a 1.8. And then your defensive rating uh, kind of fell off. Uh, I guess five spots on a 10, but your offense went up um, mm-hmm. by like three points or so uh, rating-wise. So mm-hmm. that's the part that's not surprising to me. It's just defensively the length – having Luca play the point guard changes a lot of things defensively because of the length that you can put on the floor. I mean, you can have a lineup mm-hmm. essentially with nobody shorter than six foot six, six foot seven yep. across the board, and that's going to give guys like Ja Morant problems uh, yeah. when they want to drive and, and get to the rim. Uh, so that that's why I was so worried about the uh, the Mavericks from the Grizzlies standpoint. But now, right. like with no KP, like who's going to guard Stephen Adams and Jaron Jackson yep. Jr. if they were to to find some way to match up in the playoffs? But it looks like the Mavericks are not going to slip down to that play-in tournament. It looks like they're going to oh, hang no. on and, and be a top six seed, which that's all Luca carrying them, right? Yeah, I mean, it's Luca is definitely is definitely carrying them. Um, And right now they're like eyeing down passing up Utah. They want to pass up Utah. We're a little getting a little nervous with Denver. Denver's still technically within earshot of Dallas. And so it was like, okay, are we going to is Denver going to somehow pass this up and we're going to get stuck playing Golden State? I just don't know what to expect. But as of right now, I think Utah, Dallas, one of them, like, will be the 4-5, and it will end up being Utah. But, again, I don't know. Can't predict the future. But as far as, like, Memphis goes, it's tough because they're completely different. Like, Memphis is super athletic, quick, like, just completely different than Dallas. And like you said, having Jaron, having Steven Adams, that poses a real threat matchup-wise for Dallas. But – I do kind of think that Dallas is like, we like playing small and it's weird because it's like not small as in it's small as in your tallest guy out there at some time or at some points is six, eight. And that's Dorian Finney Smith. And then you're, and then you'll throw Reggie Bullock in there at the four, but then your backcourt, like you said, shortest guy will be six, six and that's Spencer Dinwiddie six, seven, maybe. Um, And so there's a lot of length and, and Dinwiddie is like, he's not playing terrible defense. We were kind of wondering what that's going to look like again, still recovering from an ACL injury. What's that going to look like? And he has been playing pretty well defense or like well enough defensively. And so this team is like, I never, I didn't really think I'd say it, but like coach kid is getting creative with the lineups and it's working. And the one thing that I, I kind of wrote about recently that I would like to see change and I think it will is Bertans and Maxi sharing the floor together I think it's a little redundant and I don't think it's working I, I don't think I just don't think it's working but there's a time for Bertans to get on the floor when he's out there with Luca and he gets his looks and if they go in great there have been nights when he's gone like five for eight and it's like crazy and then others where he goes like one for six and then you just you just take him out but having Dinwiddie to throw in with this group especially if Luca's playing over 40 minutes a night or if, or if we're going up against a team like like Phoenix that has a lot of length and Jalen Brunson is having a tough night, having someone like Dan Woody has been huge. Not to mention he's shooting 45% from three right now on like five attempts a game, which is not something that we saw coming. Like we knew he could score, had, could hit the three a little bit, but also like that hasn't really been a part of his game, like primarily. And so seeing him with these catch and shoot threes, hitting threes off dribble moves, has been huge. Like it's been crazy. So 
I've really liked it. It's been working out. And as of right now, I think between Dinwiddie and Brunson and the numbers that they can put up collectively every single night, I do think that they're enough of a quote unquote number two. And I think Luca's a good enough number one that we will get out of the first round. I do feel, I, I feel confident in that. So I think some of the mistakes that people make in the NBA, they try to make guys who shouldn't be primary point guards, primary point guards. Mm-hmm. And I think Dinwiddie's one of those guys where yeah. they try to make him the primary point guard in, in Washington and it just didn't work. Right. I think him being next to Luca and, and Jalen allows him to be off ball where he's mm-hmm. going to be a better player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm with you on that. As far as your first round matchup, I think if you guys match up with Utah – you know, you don't have necessarily the size to hold Gobert, but when when the Utah Jazz run a pick and roll, it's not to use Gobert as much of a threat. It's um, let's let's find the shooters on the perimeter yep. when they collapse on Mike Conley, mm-hmm. uh, and then you've got Dorian Finney-Smith who can go guard Donovan Mitchell and give him problem with his length and his defensive activity. I, I would like the Mavericks to to beat mm-hmm. Utah in that first round. Um, just because who's going to, who's Mike Conley going to guard as good as a defender as he is, Mm -hmm. he's he's not big. He's, he's not bigger than me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with Utah, it's like, I hate, I I don't really know how else to, I feel like their time came and went, you know, I don't feel like they're continuing to ascend. It's your time came and went in my opinion. And so Jordan Clarkson is like the weird kind of X factor. Like when he goes off, it doesn't really seem like there's anything Dallas or maybe even anyone can do to slow them down because Donovan's so good and Rudy's still so tough. But when Dallas goes up against the jazz, Luca looks at Gobert, like he's something to eat and he's calling for the switches. He's trying to get the high pick and roll to get Gobert switched onto him, trying to get him in foul trouble. And like, he loves that. He loves that. And so I also think that a factor that will come into it, no matter who Utah plays, is the fact that I think that they have got a lot of underlying issues that are kind of bubbling, but not really brought to the surface yet. And a playoff atmosphere, or should I say lack of success in a playoff atmosphere has a way of bringing those things to the surface. And so I feel like whoever gets Utah, if they, if it's Denver, if it's, I don't know how it would be Memphis, but yeah, I don't think it would be. Well, shoot, I don't know. I, at this point, I don't even know. But um, whoever gets them, I think that will be a good thing. And and Dallas, like, I'm just, I don't know. It's weird. I'm just not worried about them at all. I know some people are, but I'm not. Yeah, I think uh, we're headed to a Gobert-Mitchell divorce this offseason. And then it doesn't help when your coach is being linked to a job that's not even open yet. Yeah, yeah, I mm, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I do feel like that will happen. It's going to kind of blow my mind if it happens this offseason, but it does feel like that's coming. I just, uh, I, I don't know, it because this the superstars in these middle markets, like I, I don't know what a reasonable time frame is to expect for them to make, to, for somebody, for a front office to make something happen. You know what I mean? And right now, like, the Rudy Gobert contract, the relationship with Rudy Gobert, like it just seems like it's just a little too much. So I don't know what's going to happen. And you have to choose Donovan Mitchell in that, right? A hundred percent. I've got, I've got a couple of people that have said, when is Dallas going to trade for Rudy Gobert? And I'm like, 
are you kidding me? Like I would hate one. I would hate that because yeah, he's defense, he's rebounding and that's fantastic. But like, you can't be paying $50 million to him. Like Dallas just got off of having a big man that kind of limits you to a certain type of play style, having getting Luca another like six, seven score, whether it's a three point guy, slasher guy, whatever, if he can score, like Luca is that good. That's what you need to put him with. And so you don't need to be paying $50 million to a guy that is going to make you one of the best defenses in the league. But right now you are already that. And it's like, you just, that's a bad, that's a bad thing. But I do wonder where Gobert is going to end up. Cause he's going to go somewhere. They're not going to pay for that luxury tax for nothing, you know? So. I wonder if a uh, Nurkic and Gobert swap would be. Oh, that's a good thought. That's a really good thought because that. Why not? You know, they're blowing it up in Portland anyways. They're blowing it up in Portland. I mean, you'll get, I assume you would get assets. See, that's the thing is like, sometimes I'm like, well, that's a bad situation. And he's on a long contract. So they'll have to give up assets to move off of it. But I mean, he, you know what his value is. So maybe they won't, you know what I mean? So you got to think, what does Portland, how do they value Gobert and what he does? Um, to think whether or not they deserve an asset in return. And then Billups and his style of play where he's trying to slow the game down yep. and play more defense, you know, yep. he may value a Gobert more than a Nurkic too. So, yeah, that would be an interesting swap. And I think that it would, I mean, it would lock up like a, a group, you know what I mean? You would know what you're dealing with in Portland, insert a top 10 pick in there. Like, you know. It could be worse, <laughs> and it probably will be worse. <laughs> it probably will be. So, speaking of paying somebody, Jalen Brunson, what do you what do you think? Should they pay him? Are they going to be able to pay him? Um, they'll definitely be able to pay him. Um, I do think they're going to pay him because one thing about Dallas is like whether you think he should or he shouldn't, he has earned his starting spot this year. He does put up good numbers. Um, he's very close with Luca this coaching staff, the front office, everybody loves him. And the thing about the Mavericks is like, they tend to kind of do the path of least resistance and like going out and getting Dinwiddie was also insurance in the event that you lose Brunson because he wants to go to the Knicks, but he has made it clear that he's looking at his number one priority is getting paid, but that he wants to get, he wants that to get done in Dallas. I do think New York is going to find a way to throw some money at him but sign and trade for Mitchell Robinson. So I know people keep, people keep (laughs) looking at that, but I, the thing with like Dallas, I think it's going to, a lot is going to come down to the playoffs because right now, based off of the season that he's been having and how he fits with Luca, I think that they would just pay him whatever it costs to keep him. But if he has another poor playoff performance or it's like all Dinwiddie or halfway through a series, he gets benched for Dinwiddie because he's just getting outplayed. That could really change things. And so it would really floor me if they got rid of him, even in a sign and trade, that would really, really shock me just even on his relationships alone, not even the fact that he's been playing at a starter level and has proven that he plays well off of Luca. He's got his catch and shoot numbers there to back him up. Like he can play off ball. He can play on ball um, and he can get his own shot when he needs to. So it would be really shocking to me if he was not a Mavericks uniform next year. And I, and they're like a Mitchell Robinson that like the Knicks, I've had a lot of people from the Knicks, like people that cover them uh, talk about what it would have costed to get him at the deadline. Um, and I just, 
the internal value on him is so high. Like sign and trades are always different, right? But they do not want, they don't want to lose him. So yeah, it's tough. So there's, there's a, I guess a debate mm-hmm. over in Memphis mm-hmm. because we, we're, we're facing a backup point guard entering free agency mm-hmm. uh, this upcoming off season. And the debate is, is whether you pay him or you, you let him walk because uh, he's going to be too much to keep. And so number, number one for me is Tyus Jones um, isn't better than Jalen Brunson. So we'll, we'll establish that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jalen Brunson would be first up for a starting job somewhere that would be available. But mm-hmm. how many starting jobs are even out there, number one? Mm-hmm. Number two, would Tyus prefer to go somewhere and start for a team that's going to be worse than Memphis, mm-hmm. most likely going forward, mm-hmm. just so that he can get the bag? Like the Jeremy Grant attitude. Like, yeah. is that what he wants? Or the third part of it is, is, is the relationship that he has with John Morant important enough that Memphis front office decides, hey, we, we need to keep Ja happy at all times. This is his dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there is clear value behind Tyus Jones as a, point, as a backup point guard, mm-hmm. as an insurance policy for John Morant, as wild out of control as he plays at times. Uh, but the fact that he takes care of the ball and and they've shown they can play together side by side like Luca and Jalen have yeah. this year as well. Um, I, for me, the mid level exception, the the eleven to twelve million a year for Tyus Jones, and if you give him a three year and you front load it, that still allows you to pay like Desmond Bain when his time comes for that, and then have John maxed out and have Jaron on his extension. We're a smaller market. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. How much do you think front offices make decisions based on what makes their superstar happy? God, that is a good question. I don't, I don't know that I could pinpoint how much, but I do think that it's a, it it is a big factor in decision-making. And I think as the days go by, it's only becoming more and more important because we're seeing some of these guys sign max deals and leave or we've seen people refuse to play and end up going not just leaving but going where they want to go and being in a position to win a title we've seen people go try different situations within a couple months say i don't like it and then end up on the team that they want like you have so much power as a player to get to where you want to go especially someone like Jara moran or luca you know you've got the weight to throw around so i do think that it plays a big part in it Um, and the formula that Memphis has got going right now is a good one. So it's not going to surprise me. I mean, I don't know, but it's not going to surprise me if they are like, Hey, we do got to pay him and we have to keep him to keep jaw happy because I kind of look, look at it as I do with, with Luca and Jalen. And if Dallas were to move on from Jalen and he were to not be in the locker room, not be around Luca, because keep in mind, they were drafted together. Like that would be a big like Luca just wants to win. And so he's going to work with whoever he's got, but I can't imagine he'd be too happy about that. And so imagining jaw in a similar situation when he's having a team that's having more success than Dallas this season, he was all-star starter potentially for going to be first team all NBA. Like you don't want to make that dude unhappy or do anything to even get close to that. And so 
it's a tough decision, but for these middle market teams, I also think it it's more beneficial to try and keep formulas that work together. You know what I mean? And just figure out the money later. Cause you can always move money. You always can. And right now, if you got a formula that works, you just got to back up the truck, I guess, pay them. But it, and, and for me, it's, it's like, granted, you don't want to have the highest paid backup point guard in the NBA. Cause yeah. Jaws going to play, you know, 36 minutes a game. So there's, there's not that many minutes out there. Um, for somebody else to have mm. but it it's just you're, you're all right so you're losing kyle anderson yeah you're probably not bringing him back right um you'll be lucky to get somebody to sign a trade you probably should have sold high on him after last year mm. um why would you not because memphis clearly their formula is their culture there's certain guys they pinpoint that they want to bring in and have in that locker room. Like these dudes love being with each other yes. on and off the court. And, and Tyus is, is every bit in the midst of that. And Kyle Anderson's like the, the lone holdover from the previous regime. He yeah. was brought in under Chris Wallace. Right. Um, so Tyus, granted he's tiny, just like Jalen is. So, mm-hmm playing jaw and Tyus together isn't the same as playing Luca and Jalen together because yeah. Luca's six, seven. Right. But when jaw can go off ball and Tyus can come in that defensively, it's going to hurt. But when you've got Jaron Jackson jr. Behind you erasing everything that comes leading the NBA in blocks per game and total blocks, like you can get away with that for space. Right. So you don't, you don't limit him to just backup minutes at times, but it, and then there's insurance. And I, and I brought up like the, the real insurance conversation, like, I'm paying health insurance for me and my wife and two kids, and it mm-hmm. is not cheap. <laughs> right. And I could go being uncovered because I don't, I don't get sick. I don't get hurt very often. Knock on wood. Like I, uh, I pay for it anyways. So that if something crazy happens, it's, it's there. And so insurance policies are expensive. Right. So Tyus Jones would be an excellent insurance policy for John Morant, a, a all NBA player as we saw when the Grizzlies went 10 and two without mm-hmm. John Morant this year, because Tyus Jones was there to steady the ship. The argument is you draft some rookie to come in uh, on, on a cheap deal, like Kennedy Chandler, yeah. keep that man so far away from the Memphis Grizzlies. Dude, <laughs> I, I don't want anything to do with, <laughs> with Kennedy Chandler. Now there is one free agent that has a connection to Dallas and a Memphis that's mm-hmm. upcoming. Mm-hmm. And that's Daylon Wright. Okay. Yep. I would be okay with him coming back to Memphis as a backup point guard on a cheaper deal than Tyus Jones. But I just don't see Tyus being somebody that's just like, I want to go start for the Detroit Pistons and make, you know, 15 to $16 million a year because that's what I want to do. Like, granted, the only teams out there that really need a starting point guard would be what the Knicks, New Orleans, New Orleans. And he definitely wouldn't go there. Um, <laughs> so I, I just don't. I well, don't the thing, it. I mean, a, a big piece to like these equations, and it's so funny to make the comparison, the jaw, Tyus, Luca, um, Jalen, because it's so, it's, it's not just a backup point guard and two guys that have good relationships. It's guys that, and Tyus and Jalen, that can step up into that starting role. And, and you see every single time they step up, their numbers are there. Like they can play in that starting role in the event that the star is unavailable. And that's difficult to come by. A guy that is close with the star 
in with the culture plays well in, in like, that's a lot of boxes to check off. And so we're kind of in another similar situation where it's like, do we sell high on Jalen Brunson and like a sign and trade or let him walk to avoid the money? Do we sell high on him at the trade deadline, try to get a pick back or like, what do we do? Because we still have our first round pick this year. And similar to like what you said, draft, like a, a guard, that's an upperclassman ready to go. And it's just like, well, you're then asking that upperclassman to do not do all the things that this guy was just doing, but like you, you can't say with 100% certainty that they are going to be a perfect fit for the culture, that they are going to be able to potentially start sometime, you know? So that's like, it's a very difficult part of the conversation because it's not just, Oh, well, this guy's a backup point guard. It's this guy might be a backup point guard, but he can be whatever you need him to be. And he will do it happily. So there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle where it's just like, at the end of the day, it's just easier to keep them around. And I think a lot of these teams know that because you can always move on later on. And the same, same thing with J- Jalen Brunson is like, okay, if we have to pay him around 20 million a year, that sounds like a steep number, but he looks to be the starter next to Luca moving forward. And I mean, he's still going to be a valuable player and you can move 20 million if you need to. And there are still going to be teams that are going to need a starting point guard. And so you can move Tyus, you can move Jalen if you still need to, even if they're making a lot more than they're making now. So it's, it's a difficult conversation for sure, but also a lot of like the value that they get, or, or I should say the value that they would get back in a trade, like the money doesn't work because they're making such little right now. So it's very difficult to even come up with a trade. So yeah, it's a, it's a complex thing, but I think both teams will be better off just retaining both guys. I think so too. So as far as the remaining 2021-2022 uh, season, can Dallas catch Memphis to win the division? No, no, no. <laughs> I there's just yeah. Because they're only separated by like four games with like 16 to go or something like that. Oh wow! To be honest, I didn't realize it was it was quite that close. I'm looking. Oh yeah, it is only Memphis is only playing like 500 ball or worse since the All Star break. Wow. I mean, that's kind of crazy to think it would absolutely floor me if Dallas caught Memphis. How uh, hard is y'all schedule going forward? Because Memphis is one of the easiest in the in Yeah, the we do too. Okay. okay. See, I didn't know that. So we do we do too. We're we're in like I think it, when you look at strength of schedule, I think we're like between 26 and 30. So like I we, think we might be like 29 or 30. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I I, I didn't know that about Memphis, but in my mind, like game to game, kind of keeping an eye on the on this playoff picture, I did not think catching Memphis is is in the cards, but you know, maybe it is. Who knows? I'm not gonna say, you know, I don't want to be negative, you know. Well, that's not my that's not my quote unquote brand. So I, I gotta gotta I keep placed a preseason wager on oh, did you on Grizzlies Mavs as a one two finish in uh the division. So I need nice. that to uh to stay the way it is yeah i i think you'll probably i think you'll get that one it would really shock me if they somehow made that happen that'd be nuts but so, maybe at that point you'd get luca in the mvp conversation because he's not there now luca and Ja are the first team all nba guards right i think so i think they should be because a lot of people were saying like oh Ja or luca Ja or luca and now i think it has become very clear that it needs to be Ja and luca doesn't matter that they're same division or same conference same division it's very clear that the best team, the best point guards in the NBA right now that are contributing numbers wise, wins wise, it's those two. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. All right, Lauren, I appreciate you. <laughs> of course. Uh, Thank you for having me. 
please plug your stuff so everybody knows where they can find you. Absolutely. So um, you can find me on Twitter at the Lauren Gunn with two N's. Um, all my Mavs Moneyball articles will come through there. All of my um, shows with with my brother Grant Gunn uh, on the Gunshot Pod, those will flow through there. And then any other podcast that I'm on, like this one, well, I'll also retweet through there. Um, so yeah, any I, I'm always looking to talk about any team, any player, the draft, all of it. So yeah, come chat with me. Uh, and yeah, let's talk some hoops. Make sure you go follow her, check out her stuff. She is uber talented. Uh, she is a, a prodigy on the rise in oh, please. the NBA business. Uh, she will definitely be a frequent guest as much as she wants to on Basketball Exegesis. Uh, again, thank you. Um, and I look forward to doing this more and more. And uh, I guess I'm going to close it with Go Grizzlies. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Hopefully we don't see Dallas at any point in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, that would be nuts. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to go through what Luca's put me through because I love Luca. Like I, yeah. I love Luca. And He's I, fun. Yeah. When he hits my team with daggers, it just. Ugh, I can't imagine the pain. I really can't. Bittersweet there. So, um, for Lauren, I'm Justin, and this has been the first episode of Basketball Exegesis. <laughs>